Welcome to Resistance Chronicle. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And today we had a very special guest on, Charlie Robinson. Um, he's author of uh, The Octopus of Global Control, uh, also co-author with Jeff Berwick on the controlled demolition of the American Empire, and um, probably one of the goats in the alternative media community. Also has a podcast, uh, Macroaggressions, and he is co-founder of Union of the Unwanted. And we had an awesome conversation that lasted well over an hour and 15 minutes, more, more than I anticipated. He gets into NGOs. Uh, we, we cover a little bit of everything that's kind of screwed up about what's going on in, in today's society. Enjoy. Uh, enjoy. Here's our awesome intro. It's not a political statement. It's a patriotic duty. And the such as yours, owe a common obligation to the people. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. Where are you people? On dope? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. Right, there's a lot of people relocating out there. It still is, man, and is it? And it's actually ramping back up now that you know the Crypto Six is getting a little bit of attention. Yeah, Pork Pork Fest is coming up in June. Actually, right. next month, what we want to do is book all libertarian guests and mm. and just kind of promote Pork Fest and and get after it like that. So that cool that'd be pretty fun. So I, I don't know really who we're going to reach out to just yet. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a short list of people that we really want to get on the show and, and do that with. Yeah. Well, let me know if I can help you guys in any way. If there's anybody on the list that maybe I recognize or know, then oh, that'd then be awesome. Yeah, yeah. We'll, let you, we'll let you know. Yeah. So, so we started recording and we kind of just do this completely unscripted. Yeah, I, I have a couple of notes of talking points that maybe we can we can hit some stuff with. You That's got how I do it. Awesome I, I just get the gab, man. So I think we're just gonna have a good time with this. Let's we'll see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'm good to go and whatever. So I, I wanted to start with what the hell's up with your, your state, man, Colorado. All the uh, shit happens in Colorado. What's going on? Dude, Benet, John Benet Ramsey. I started getting into to, um, Adolf Kors and, and, his, and his disappearance and, and, and killing and un, unreal. It's like the MK MK Ultra Capital of, of the United States, I think. Isn't Denver Airport have like a bunch of like Illuminati shit? Or oh it- yeah. yeah. Oh, it's the weird. It's the weirdest place ever. It's it's like so the Denver Airport. When you're in, if you're just traveling through it, you'll never see any of the stuff. But if you're if you are leaving from there, uh, then. You, on your way in, there's a big blue horse. Horse, yes, with big red glowing eyes. Yeah, and and it is not um, for the Broncos. It's not oh. <laughs> Broncos mascot or anything like that. It, yes, it's kind of like in the similar blue color, but it's not. <clears throat> and the the sculptor that made it was killed by it. It fell on him. I heard that too. Yeah. Yeah, and so the nickname it for it is Blucifer. That's what that's what everyone calls it. Even the people on the news call it that too. But then when you go in the airport, there's um, if you know the right place to go, right by this bathroom, there's like a there's a like a plaque. Uh, it's sort of it's sitting on like a three foot high pedestal, and it's like a big stone piece, and it's and it's it kind of like a tombstone or like a, like a, like a gravestone. And it's all engraved in there. And it says dedicated to the opening of the um, airport in, I don't know, 1994 and everything. 
by the New World Airport Commission. And everyone's like, what is that? It doesn't exist. And then there's like a Freemason sign on it, like in carve the, the, you know, the, the Freemason logos and everything. I was like, uh, this is just straight up, you know, insanity. Then you go around where the baggage claim is and there's four different murals. I think they've taken two of them down. They're, they're renovating the whole place. So, but the murals are like a dystopian hellscape, uh, like a guy, a, a, a not a, like a Nazi soldier wearing a full gas mask with holding a sword, swinging a sword. And there's all these dead kids everywhere. And you're like, who the fuck thought this was a good idea to have an airport? You know, people are like jittery, you know, before they get on their plane, and then they see that. And, and I mean, it, and there's a bunch of them and you're like, okay, it's weird. So I've taken pictures of all of them. I mean, the pictures are out there. They're, it's pretty well known. And then there's lots of questions about, you know, what's going on underground too. It, but even the, even the airport people themselves have a pretty good sense of humor about it because they're renovating it right now. And they have some of the, the areas blocked off with just like, you know, like plywood, nice plywood and everything. But on that plywood, they have like an ad campaign and it says like, we're expanding. Um, wh or what are our reasons for expanding? A, we want to get, you know, uh, more room for the lizard people. B, uh, to expand the subterranean bunkers. C, uh, building new and exciting shops for you. And, and there's a picture in the, the person, the thing next to it is like a picture of a gigantic lizard person. So they're <laughs> sports about it or they just don't care that you know? I think they're, I think they're just embracing it you know i think they're just having some fun uh, trolling uh, us uh, a little bit because uh, uh you know it's sort of it's sort of a known thing i don't know maybe maybe the marketing director has a good sense of humor yeah. or something like that but it, it it's it's definitely i haven't had anything weird happen there but I, but you see those things and and you go okay that's that's not normal so yeah this state has this is not my state this is my wife's state I am here because of her. So I like it, but uh, it's not my home state. So any of the, the false flag garbage that's going on with, or the, the weird killing. Actually, you know, the thing is I drive by Columbine every day. Like if I drive to drop my, my daughter off at school, I drive right by the street where it is. And that was like a real shooting. You know, that was like back when mass shootings were authentic and not, either not staged or not made to happen or not politicized or anything. It was just a, a flat out crappy, you know, event. So we've got that. And then we've got the Jean Benet Ramsey thing that you mentioned. And I never even gave that much thought because I just assumed it was some, you know, I don't know, either her, her dad or some, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I actually always assumed it was her dad. Uh, but then you go and find out that his background or he worked in like military intelligence and he had all these really dark connections. You're like, holy shit. And like that, the whole crime scene doesn't make any sense. And you start thinking, wow, this is uh, there's, there's more to it. So yeah, we, this is a, this is a hotbed for, for strange activity. Yeah. Even the, the, the Coors one, I'm, I'm fascinated by it's the guy that killed him, his last name Corbett. I forgot his first name. It's either Joe or John. He spent a bunch of time in prison in California escaped from the California prison, and I think it was like 1951, made his way out to Colorado. And he, he was in that prison for, for murdering someone. And then all of a sudden got this idea to, hey, I'm going to 
I'm going to kidnap a, a beer baron and, and murder him and, and then escape to, to Canada. It's just such a bizarre story. And, and nobody could find him. And it's, it's unreal, man. They never found him? Uh, well, they found cores. Yeah, they, they, oh. they found him. Yeah, but, but it's, it's a bizarre yeah. story. Yeah, Un, yeah. unreal. Um, yeah, and there was also a, there was a, a thing that really started the the hatred, the public hatred towards the Rockefeller family happened here too, not too far from where I am. Uh, in like the late 1800s, I think the Rockefellers owned this mine, and a lot of the workers they all kind of lived right by the mine. They set up like a. I don't know, like in those days, they'd set up like almost like their own little city right outside of there. And they all worked in the mine and they were they were on strike or protesting or something. And the, they ordered the people to s- start shooting. They just said, just shoot the protesters and then burn down the place. And they killed a bunch of women and children. I mean, it was horrible. It wasn't the Rockefellers doing it, but it was the management of the mine that they owned. And so they took a ton of heat for it. And then that led them to start the Rockefeller Foundation as a reason to sort of uh, an attempt to rehabilitate their image because they were thought of as such reprehensible monsters, which of course they were and still are. But that kind of got them, uh, that kind of got them put on the map as like evil oligarchs, you know, and that of course happened here in Colorado as well. So, And and then, you know, start the philanthropy, hand out the dimes and everybody loves you. And and now your ancestors are in in, in seats of government today. Yeah. It's just like, who who else, who else learned how to do that? Oh, Bill Gates with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. after they go through the antitrust uh, situation where the government tries to break them up or thinks about breaking them up. And then they start this charitable foundation to be philanthropists and then go all this stuff meanwhile it's just a gigantic tax shelter we can't talk about that right <laughs> one thing you did for me since i started listening to your podcast it was like sometime last summer i think when it, it first started coming out yeah. right you yeah. opened my eyes to to these ngos can you get uh, into some of that with us for a little bit and, and let's talk about like what like i've heard you talk about the the international bank of settlements and and, and then you get into, you know, the, obviously the Federal Reserve, but then the World yeah. Economic Forum. And what, what is up with all these these giant think tanks? I know. It's funny because you don't uh, – it's been kind of disappointing when I have to, like, go back and kind of unlearn the things that I had learned before. Like, I always assumed that these these charities were, up, you know, all on the up and up and everything. And and I, I never occurred to me that there was a bunch of – nefarious things happen like the united way their ceo just got charged with like 27 felonies or something like that i mean they're they're a disaster and um and and then you you start to realize that some of these ngo stands for non-governmental organization for those that don't know and it basically what it is is it's like it's kind of a charity it's kind of a company it's definitely not government, but it might have government ties, you know. So, like, a guy like Dick Cheney has like forty nine NGOs that he owns or runs, and and George Schultz, you know, guys like that, people that were in the Reagan administration. There's a long list. You go through. I mean, it, it, Donald Rumsfeld runs like twenty five different NGOs. I mean, it's a way for them to give themselves almost like an LLC, a limited liability company. You add add an extra layer of protection, or you take all your money and you put it in this NGO and through some special tax status. And then it's like, oh, it's not my money. It's its money. And it, you know, and it's a charity, so you can't tax it. So anyway, there's a whole lot of reasons why people would start them, but what you wind up finding out, and there were like 
um, there's 10 million NGOs that in existence. And I think 2 million of them are just in the United States. So it's not a, it's not like a rare thing. Uh, some are bigger than others, but it's, it, it allows these people to, um, to run their organizations and, and keep their, you know, use these NGOs to do some of the bidding that the government wants done, but can't be seen to be doing themselves. So they outsource it sort of, um, and so you see organizations that are disguised as charities, but are anything but charities. You know, a lot of the, the child trafficking networks are set up under child charities, you know, because then they have the reason to, to exist and, and, and the reason to interact with children because they're a charity looking out for them. Meanwhile, what's going on behind the scenes is that, a, you know, a segment of them are being trafficked too. So it's like, oh, like when you learn this stuff, you just feel gross inside and you just feel like, oh, I mean, is there, is everybody scamming us? Is everybody trying to, to screw this, this world up? And, and, and it's not to say that they're all bad, of course, but, but it's the ones like, you know, these like Bill Gates starts his, his Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. I mean, that is a, is a prime example of a dangerous enterprise that has given out billions and billions and billions of dollars to some of the weirdest and worst people in the world. I mean, he, you know, he, his relationship with Epstein is well known now. Uh, uh, the relationship that they have, that the Gates foundation has with the media, they have been bribing the media for, many years to uh, many hundreds of outlets. It's literally in the 300s, the number of outlets that the Gates Foundation gives money to in just inside the media. Uh, all the pharmaceutical companies have gotten money from him. So, you know, it creates this really weird situation where if you're, you know, if you're, if you're doing something and you need charity money, you're, you, you love that the money's coming, but, but you get the feeling with the Gates Foundation uh, and maybe more than just a feeling that there's strings attached to it, you know? And so the NGOs give, give people and they give governments the ability to camouflage themselves and go into situations sometimes look like as charities or saviors. And meanwhile, what they're doing is they're doing, they're setting up, you know, the way, like as an example, they'll bomb the shit out of Yugoslavia and then send in NGOs to sort out, sort out all the stuff. And then the, it gets privatized and broken up into all these little segments. And guess who starts running them? The people that are running the NGOs to, you know, so, so this is like Haiti. Would that be kind of like what happened in Haiti? It'd be exactly like what happened in Haiti. Yeah. That's, that's probably the best example of that. Or, or exactly the, what's the, happening in Myanmar right now. Right, right. Exactly. Um, and, and, it's a global initiative. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so the Clinton Foundation, I think even I mean, the Gates Foundation is taking the heat the last year and a half as they should. But let's not forget about the Clinton Foundation and, and the um, Clinton Global Initiative. Funny, the Clinton Global Initiative shut its doors the day after Hillary Clinton didn't win the election. I mean, if I guess they solved all the the problems out there that all the all the that they don't funny how that how that happened literally the next day so so that's an influence peddling racket we know that and the clinton foundation is a money laundering operation one of the biggest ones in the world and they they run all sorts of things through that through that foundation and that is a who's who of of 
criminals and villains. And what's worse is like what they did in Haiti. You take the poorest country in the Western hemisphere that just got hit by a massive earthquake, cuts all their supply chains, cuts what's left of their communication, running water, if there was any, is, is not happening anymore. And the world, uh, to their credit, starts throwing money at them. You know, individuals, I mean, you just here, donate here, you know, the telethons and all that. And people felt really bad and, and they were very generous. And that money flowed through the Clintons, through the Clinton foundation. He ran point on that. And that money didn't get to Haiti. I mean, it might've, it might've gone through Haiti mm-hmm. straight out to the Cayman islands, but it, it did not build houses. It did not end poverty it sprinkled a little bit of money around to some of the politicians and bigwigs and people that needed it. But what was happening in the wake of that was that Laura Silsby, uh, an employee of the Clinton foundation was arrested trying to steal 33 children out of Haiti. She was jailed in Haiti for six months until Bill Clinton personally got on an airplane, went there himself and got her out, relocated her back to the United States where she promptly took a job with the Amber Alert system, which notifies you when missing kids uh, happen throughout the country. That's, that's the level of criminality that we're working with here. When you talk about these people. still in shambles anyway from the earthquake. Oh, yeah. 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 It's where all this money go. Like nobody ever asked questions, you know, not they're on, they're on to the next thing, man. It's like, Oh, you know, Hey, you know, tonight, what, what did Kim Kardashian say? And you, and you, and there goes Haiti, you know, but it's, it's still a, it, it's still a need, you know, and, and such amazing people that, that, that certainly don't deserve that and the bad luck. And then you've Pat Robertson saying that they signed a pact with the devil. And that's the reason why the earthquake, came. <laughs> I'm just like, like, Oh, it's, you know, but, but people like the Clintons, these psychopaths. And if people want to get more information on the Clinton foundation, I would suggest they, they go to crowdsource the truth and find um, a 200 episodes, 200 plus episodes each episode about two hours each episode on the clinton foundation that charles artell and and jason goodman uh have done what is it crowdsource crowdsource the truth yeah it's on youtube and they keep getting strikes and things like that but it's jason goodman and charles ortell have done this uh and charles ortell is like an investment banker who just had a, a lot of experience with charity fraud and things like that and they just pick it apart i mean it, it is it is charles ortell calls it the largest criminal enterprise on the planet that's that's saying something because we've got the Vatican <laughs> too, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We know what they're they're up to. So so I, it's just that that when you've got these operations, you've got these uh, you know like the Clinton Foundation and the Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Boy, they just put this this face on like they're out there helping the world. And then what it does is it it makes it so that it's way more difficult for you to feel comfortable criticizing them. Because it's like, how dare you say something bad about that charity? And it's like, well, it's not not a charity, uh, but it looks like a charity. So it gives itself this cover. And of course, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation lately, uh, depending on 
how you feel about vaccines. That's how you view the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Either you see them as this altruistic charity going around the world saving humanity, or you see them um, as the as the operation that gave four hundred ninety six thousand kids in India polio. Now, didn't they? Aren't they connected to the Johnson Johnson uh, vaccine too? Yeah. Well, they finance all of them. Yeah, they've, right. they've, they've given um, money to all of them, Moderna and Johnson Johnson and Pfizer. Everybody has received money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's the first thing that happens. So it, it automatically puts you in a weird situation where you, you have a hard time speaking badly or, you know, about the person that's giving you all this money. And it's not a little bit of money either. It's billions of dollars. So it makes it really tough for them to uh, to say anything. But um, but that's an operation that is is out there using the Rockefeller Foundation uh, sort of uh, playbook of get this thing, put finance it with a little bit of money, make sure it does some good. You know, you got to go do some good things, uh, and then and then just use it to just put all your hide all your money there so it doesn't get taxed, and then just use it to fulfill the agenda that has been given to you. Most more likely for Bill Gates, I believe he is has an agenda that he has been given. I don't know that it's necessarily as organic as him just wanting to be the vaccine guy. I think it might be part of his deal. You know, I think that he was allowed to come to power, allowed to to be in this situation because if you if you research his history and how Microsoft got started, there's a lot of questions about that. And then his family history too. His dad is you know, I mean that's well known. This this yep. images out there of, of you know what, what he was doing with Margaret Sanger. It's crazy. Yeah, it's all ties. It's all it's all this one big gigantic spider web. Do you get into all this in, in your first book? Yeah. Global control. Uh, yeah, so I haven't I get, started that yet. I'm waiting for my glasses to come in. I wasn't expecting the font to be that small, man. It it, it is it is the yeah. one regret I have about the book. If I could do it over, oh, well, actually, there's a Barnes and Noble version, and that's the one I buy. And for whatever reason, the font came out fine and it looks great. The uh, Amazon one, oh, I wish that font was bigger, man. It really it really kills me. And by the way, since I started, you know, in the lockdown, the one the one major thing that's changed is that I had to get like reading glasses because my eye I, I noticed my eyes were starting to go and and uh and so I feel bad about the the book the book font. The, it can, the 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 octopus font is is a little on the small side, but the content if you can um if you can get a good set of glasses, the content is 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 easy to digest because I the way I did it was I added all these quotes from over 500 different people that had interesting takes or were involved in some important situations throughout our history. So you'll get like Rothschilds and Rockefellers and Clintons and Bushes and all that stuff. But you get also get Bill Hicks and George Carlin and Joe Rogan and guys like that talking about, um, you know, talking about events and things that they see, but from a comics perspective. So all that is peppered throughout the book. So it, it's easy to read, even though it's like this thick. Um, and it, and it kind of, it kind of explains a lot of it. It explains a lot of what we're experiencing today, sort of the power structure and how it works. Cause a lot, cause one of the tentacles I get into is, is 
scientific. And what you see is that, uh, and I think what we've all been experiencing over the last year is that, you know, just calling it science, that's a pretty broad term. I mean, there's good science and there's bot science. And what we're seeing is bot science. And everyone's just saying, no, trust the science. And and we're saying, no, no, This this is junk science. This is the sort of science you get when you have scientists accepting grant money from people and then saying, write something nice about this, you know, this is, so this it's, it's totally corrupted. And yet we're being told to believe um, that it's, that this is all, all very normal. So I, I, I think that if someone read the octopus book, they would have um, I don't go too deep in any one topic, but I cover like 50 different topics. So it gives you an idea of just how widespread all of this insanity is. And then it, but it gives you enough information to maybe get you interested in it. And then you can go off and like specialize in, in something, you know, because I wanted, I really wanted to cover as much ground as I could so that, um, because you never know what, what one topic is going to wake somebody up, you know, they're going to be like, Oh man, you know, I had no idea about the Gulf of Tonkin, you know, for v- starting Vietnam and, and like, oh, my uncle died in Vietnam. Holy shit. I didn't know anything about this. And so if you get them interested in just one and I go, hey, look, I got 49 others. To- oh, yeah, the doors <laughs> open, man. Yeah, that's awesome. You like, you like Vietnam? Let's, let's talk. You want to talk about, let's talk about World War. Let's talk about Iraq. Let's talk about Afghanistan. And it's like, oh, you know, because that's how we all get into it, right? I mean, you start in some topic and you kind of geek out and you're like, whoa, holy shit, I didn't know anything about this. And then it kind of leads you down that path or at least opens you up to the possibility that everything you know is wrong. And and that is uh, like this journey that we all kind of go through if we're interested in digging into the truth. Uh, uh, and so that's that's why I wrote that book was because I was just hoping it would be a nice sort of introduction to a lot of people. And I'm, and I'm a savage in there too. I talk so much shit and uh, I just, I, I go after these people, you know what I mean? And so, so, and I think people liked that. I think, I think they connected with that because they were like, I was thinking the same thing or yeah, fuck that guy, <laughs> you know, cause we all kind of want to say it and you're reading like this professional book and you don't expect me to imply that I believe Lindsey Graham owns multiple black dildos. <laughs> I, I I put it in the book because I always would tell him that him and Mitch McConnell got something going on. I'm, I'm sure of it. They, they rusty well, or something. I'm, well, I mean, Lindsey Graham is known. Every everybody in Washington knows that. So you know, but I like to I like to have some fun. Um, and also, I think one of the things about that that octopus book that you'll that I think you'll appreciate um, is that I. I put as much humor in it as I could because, you know, the topics are dark and and you're learning about, or you're, it might be the first time you're reading things about the government that you don't really love hearing. And so it can be kind of a a dark book. So I had to put as much funny components in there as I could. And part of that is me just talking shit to these guys, you know? So, so it it keeps you it keeps you hanging in there a little bit longer so that you you can get through the heavy stuff because um because it's important you know it's important to to kind of process this information and I I I subscribe to the Joe Rogan philosophy on this and I put this quote in the book he was saying I liked 
when John Stewart did the daily show, because I, 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 I could tell where the jokes were. I didn't need somebody to explain, you know, that he was embellishing or making fun of, of certain things. He was like, I got the jokes. The jokes were always really good, but I also learned about the news too. I also was getting an education on the news, but it was being delivered to me in a way that I liked, which was, you know, wrapped like in a joke or, you know, making fun of it and things like that. And, and when I, I heard him say that, I, I, it occurred to me that I liked that too. And that, and so I thought if I could do, if I could write it in a way that made it sort of like, I'm not trying to say I'm John Stewart in any way, but, but made it sort of feel, feel like the, the daily show where you had, you would just point out how, how preposterous things were actually as a, as a, as a funny connection to that, the, cover of the book the cover of the octopus book which is this you know a, a, a big i changed the coloring on it it's, it was normally a yellow octopus john stewart actually did a whole segment on that logo because that logo is from a rocket that the national reconnaissance office uh launched n-r-o-l-39 uh and and what that octopus it's the octopus cartoon it's over the world and what it says on the rocket written above it and below it is nothing is beyond our reach and it was sent up by the nro which is like a like one of our spy agencies and john stewart was like holy shit like look at this you know and and i remember seeing that and i was like that's the octopus i'm going to use i'm going to use that for the cover i'm going to change it up a little bit but the, but it comes from that spy satellite we're, we're looking at it on the yeah, other screen here now yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's such it's such a perfect way to represent it too the octopus with the tentacles and it, who's who's at the head of this whole thing you that's know? the real question is who is at the head it's 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 the it's the big question <clears throat> because yeah. you know depending on who you ask they've all got different answers if someone will say like the black nobility and yeah, the, yeah, uh, you know and the jesuits or something i am i have of the belief it is the international bankers uh in these international banking families that that run uh the, that run it yeah. and, but but it's not to, it's not to be it's not to dismiss the other claims because everybody's got their role you know and so is the vatican involved i mean absolutely is the you know are the, the you know who, who who's you know how that hierarchy really shuffles out it gets a bit murky you know to be fair but um but it is it is quite clear that there is a network uh, i think best shown in movies in, in the james bond movie specter uh that's kind of a a good representation of this you know it's it's they don't all have to have the big meetings together necessarily. They know what's in their best interest. They know how to how to manipulate things to make it work best for them. And and it's 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 coordinated though, you know, but there's there is coordination at some level. Because the these things like what we experienced in 2020, you know, everyone asks like acts like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Well really we have event 201 six months before it. Mm -hmm. We're once again the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Johns Hopkins Medical Center and the World Economic Forum ran a simulation simulating the outbreak of a novel coronavirus that starts in Brazil, in this case, goes to China, and then from China spreads all over the world, killing 65 million people over 18 months. And the only way it stopped is with a vaccine. They, they role play that October of 2019. Three hours of videos out there for everybody to see. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. It's all on. 
we're not conspiracy theorists. We're conspiracy analysts. This is <laughs> this is a conspiracy right in front of our eyes. People yeah. still say you're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, I'm showing you the truth is right here. Like, yeah, I'm no not theory. making it's it up. One big, <laughs> so, so I know. It's, here's it's the next one, in my opinion, right? So we got this death that happened today with Prince Andrew. Yeah. He, he said he wanted to come back as a virus. He, the next round of coronavirus, whatever it's going to be, Watch the name. I guarantee you, and I'm saying it now, it's going to be named after him somehow. It's going to be like a like a PP, whatever, you know, I, I, you know what? I, I would not bet against you yeah. because they're just it's just like them to do that too. you know, to rub it in your face because I, I give them I give them a little credit. Because you, they troll us, and and I can appreciate a good trolling, but um, <laughs> but they're but, but they're such evil motherfuckers, you know. And it's so frustrating because you try to explain to somebody who has no understanding of this that it's that the Corona situation that happened in 2020 was planned years in advance, mm-hmm. and they rightfully look at you like you're insane, you know, because it's so hard to believe that. But there is so much evidence of that. There is the spars uh, uh, thing that's out now that's that's seeming, you know, very similar. You have event 201. You have Anthony Fauci literally on camera in 2017 saying that the president is going to have a pandemic on his hand before the end of his first term. So like, so no Stradamus, Fauci, they're just predicting things, right? How funny how that happened. So um, it's, it's, this is part of the octopus that we, that we're talking about is the fact that there has to be coordination for something like this to happen, that people have to know well in advance. The media has to know uh, it, not everybody, of course, but just the people at the top that need to know, know in advance what's coming and what's going to happen. That requires a, a massive amount of coordination. So there, this is an interconnected network at, 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 that is running this. And, and it's tough to accept that, you know, when, when you just, when you, when you, you know, cause you like to think of, Oh, this is America. It's run by the people and everything. It's just not, it's run by the corporations and it's run by a, a small group of very powerful people. They're all sitting there laughing at us. Well, we got two masks on and a Q-tip up our asses, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, how people not seeing through this bullshit is, is, you know, what what I'm trying to figure out. Because they watch the news, that's it. It it really is a brain. It's almost like MKUltra went mainstream once TV came out. And they're like, all right, we got this, everybody. No more honeypot whorehouses. We're just going to broadcast this shit right on TV. You, you got it. And, yeah. and, and I think, I think it would be important for people to know that, uh, Barack Obama in 2013, technically, uh, when he signed the NDAA, um, wound up bringing into law, the Smith modernization act of 2012, which legalized propaganda to be used inside the United States on Americans. So what they did is there used to be the Smith Munt act, of 1948, which was at right after World War II. And it said, okay, in America, we can't use propaganda on other Americans. We can do it in other countries and that's fine. But we just saw what propaganda does to a country and 
meaning Germany, and we don't want propaganda to be used on, on our own people. That was 1948. And it was doing just fine. It wasn't expiring. It wasn't, there was nothing to it. But Obama changed that in 2012 to make it legal to use propaganda against Americans. So I ask the, the, the logical question, why would he legalize propaganda unless he intended to use some propaganda? And look what's happened since then. And look what's happened since then. All the school shootings. Yep. The, this new Corona thing, which you, had, you know, Boy, Derek, Derek Chauvin, and here's another one that I'm saying here on, on the show with you on it. I don't think he's going to be convicted. I, I don't either. Going to be the start of round two, and it's going to be a, a ten time worse summer from hell than it was last summer. Uh, I'm great I, for I, it, man. And everyone's just sitting there with their two masks on. It's no big deal. And oh, we got to get the vaccine to to get back to normal. Driving up propaganda. Speaking of propaganda, I'm driving up Route 16, and I'm working up near the, the Lakes region in New Hampshire this week. Mm-hmm. And there's two giant billboards on the way up to where I was going that the state of New Hampshire took out. In, in big orange letters, it says, this is your only shot to get back to normal. And it's an advertisement oh, yeah, they put for up the all these, like, The governor was doing that, put up all his propaganda. Our governor is fucking looped, man. He's been, he's been groomed for the position that he's in and, and moving on. His dad sits on the CFR. So that just oh. to show you what, you know, what, 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 okay. what kind of family right. bringing this guy's at. <laughs> well, that's, that's, an, that's another thing too, because people talk about like, well, who are all these networks and are these shadowy people? Okay. Well, forget the shadowy people. Let's look at the people that are out in the broad daylight. Let's yeah. look at the council on foreign relations. Let's look at the Bilderberg group. You know, let's, let's look at the Atlantic council. I mean, who are these people and what are they doing and why do they have such an oversized role in what happens in our country? And that's, that's something that you that is undeniable that people can find. And if they want to, if they don't want to go, you know, full reptilian, you know, you can start with like the council on foreign relations, which is, has a website and you can go there and, and there's 5,000 members. It's not like it's super exclusive or anything, but, um, but this is a, an organization that has a say in the media's policy and what gets talked about on your television and what doesn't. So who are these people and why are they dictating what we are told and mm-hmm. what is their agenda and what is the, and why are they all working together and why are they starting to push, you know, for, you know, first it was Russia, Russia, Russia. Now it's China, China, China. I mean, what is going on? So you start to feel the influence and people just assume that the all the major news organizations just decided independent of one another to all talk about the same thing. No, they're being told what to talk about. That's not how it works. Isn't it five corporations on all, all news. Yeah. Five yeah. And, yeah. And not only the five corporations that own all the news, there's 10 corporations. And this is what scares me the most. I'm, I'm a chef by, by trade. That's what I do for my day job, but I'm not creating podcasts. Whatever. <laughs> And, and the thing that's scary is, you know, not only is it five corporations that, that run all the media, it's only 10 corporations that control everything you friggin' eat. Anything that you put in your mouth is owned by 10 friggin' companies. If yeah. you go to the supermarket and you think you can choose between Oreos and Chips Ahoy, it's all the same friggin' company, but not the same right. crap. It's poisoning you. Yeah. And, 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 you know, bringing that back to, to Bill Gates, recently it's been in the news that he's been buying up all the, as much farmland as he can. Well, that's an interesting, what's that? 
240,000 acres or, or something to that. A number. lot, man. Crazy. Yeah. He, he, he's making it. So, so he's doing that. He's was at one point, I don't know if he still is, but he was at one point, the largest individual shareholder of Monsanto. Mm -hmm. Monsanto makes GMO seeds. Okay. He also financed for $30 million, the Svalbard seed vault in Norway, which stores millions and millions of real seeds far away in the Arctic circle. In a, in a mountain, isn't it? Like in, 400 in a, feet up a mountain and yeah. 300 feet in the mountain <laughs> is, is where this is. All the good, all the real seeds. Yeah. But he's invested in farmland and GMOs. I mean, so it he's up to controlling the food supply. 3D printer and, meat too, man. Don't forget and, about that. And also impossible foods. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a backer of that, which is uh, plant-based meat. And it has some serious issues. The impossible um, Whopper has 18 million times more phytoestrogen in it than a regular Whopper. Yep. That means all your little boys are going to be growing right. boobs. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a diet food either. It's only has 5% fewer calories. The only reason why I know this is because I did an episode on, on all this shit yeah. and, and, and on the seeds. And then also one on Bill Gates and they obviously cross over. So I caught the one on the seeds. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's dangerous. You know, it's, it's dangerous to have this centralization and, and I have been, you know, starting to meet a lot of people, um, from going to Anarchapulco the last couple of years, I've been starting to meet a lot of people that are in the decentralized movement. And I can really see the appeal of that because when you centralize things, like you said, 10 companies that are controlling all the food, uh, that's not good. You know, you might think, oh, it's just easier that way. Well, it, it is. It's easier to poison it. It's easier to screw you on it. It's easier to jack up the prices on it. It's easier to, to control whether or not you actually get it or not. We need, we need more uh, uh, operations, not, not 10. We, we, need, we need more smaller companies. We need more decentralization of, of, of the food supply and, and things like that. It, it, it's essential to us because these guys, they, they show us what they can do. Same for the media that this needs to be broken up. Um, we've seen what happens when these maniacs get too much power. It, it always ends badly for us. So we should remember that and try and keep these things as, as decentralized as we can, because even though it might be slower or less efficient, it's ultimately it's better for us because we'll have multiple choices and nobody will just be able to dominate and because there's something weird that happens in their heads when they get a lot of power they always tend to use it the wrong way and so we have to just kind of be honest about that you know i think I'll, at least i'll go one step further than than the decentralization and i think we need to just start growing our own food figuring out how to catch our own meats. He's going for a trapping class, trying to talk me into it. I'm, yeah. I'm down to do it. He hunts, you know, I, I, I know agree, man. you know, grow vegetables, pickle can and all that. And yeah. I think, and, and there's some, you know, I'm sure you've heard of freedom cells. Yep. You know, we, I think we need you to be involved be in that, right? and, and, and just start teaching each other all that stuff. That's, that's where I'm at right now is, is screw it all. You know, you're, you know what? You're so right about that. 
and and I've seen the memes that say we a lot of our problems would go away if our yards looked like this instead of this, you know. And the the other one was like a manicured green. The other one, the the other image was was like a full garden out there. And we've got to get back to that. And and we should get back to that. And that is and and I work in real estate. That's my that's my job. And you know, I, I worked for builders for a long, long time, big builders. And so you, you understand how like the CCNRs are for certain communities and how they will, they, they take control and dictate what you can and can't do. You can't plant in Las Vegas, where I worked for many years, you couldn't even plant grass in your front yard. That was a whole citywide thing. So like they had total control over what you could and couldn't do with your house. Mm-hmm. And uh, though I understand the reasons for that, they were dealing with a, a, a massive drought. It still is a bit, you know, we, we sort of need to get back to uh, being a little bit more self-sufficient. If 2020 taught us anything, it was that the supply chain can break down pretty fast. And, and we saw it just with toilet paper, which which kind of felt like a, a dress rehearsal, you know, <laughs> just toilet paper. It's like, oh, you guys were fighting each other for toilet paper. Wait till the food runs out. Right. right we're right. about to see something like that again, too, I think. With this, I think so, too. Suez, you know, it's going to oh, yeah. sooner than later. I, I, I don't think we've seen the, the repercussions yet. You no. The, the video of all the ships that, that, yeah, that were stuck. Yeah. Yeah. In that- didn't, don't you get the feeling that they're like trying to uh, that they're they're testing these these things on us? They're testing, you know, they're testing the supply chain breakdown with toilet paper. Oh, well, that really freaked them out. Maybe we should do that with uh, l- lumber or something. You know, they'll, 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 they'll invent some some new thing. I feel like there's going to be a supply chain shortage of something. With the lumber, they'll just keep burning forests down and, and say it was caused by gender reveal parties, you know? Right. <laughs> a a, a freaking pink flare goes off, and guess what? All of California just burns to the ground. California burns down for seven oh, weeks. People dying on the highway because they can't get out of their car, and their cars are filling up with carbon monoxide. The, the most perfect picture that I've seen that can describe this is that picture that the, the, these elite fucking assholes sitting around the the table and the table is a globe and it's like their their little world of warcraft game and they're and they're playing it and that's what they're freaking doing to us they're playing us and, and yeah. I, i'm i'm honestly convinced and i hate to get black pillar right here i don't think many more people are going to be coming to their senses about any of this stuff or or not to the level that they should you know it's like yeah, everybody's they kind of happy in their, their freaking dreamland I, and when they can't get food, that's what I think. People, that's when people would freak out. You better be armed and dangerous yeah. when people can't get food. Yeah. yeah, and like how 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 scary is the mob these days? I don't. I mean, I mean, scary in their thought process. You know, they're just unthinking morons, and they're. I'm more scared of just the average dumbed down American than I am of like the military rolling in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I don't know that that that's going to happen, but but the mob of of morons or the the antifa mobs and things like that or the black lives matter like you you better show us the fist or we're gonna get take out this this you know this outside of this restaurant and everything like whoa like that's these people are dangerous because they are unthinking morons that are larping as like revolutionaries and they have no idea what they're getting themselves into i mean this is very zombies zombies yeah yeah but wait wait till the wait till the police or, or somebody starts shooting you know mm-hmm. and and i think they kind of want that i think the, the controllers want that i mean obviously we saw the brick ferry 
dropped off the bricks in Minneapolis last summer. Remember, people are like, well, we're just they here, and it's here. like a big thing of bricks, and everyone's like... They did it here in Manchester, New Hampshire, too. Did they really? Gallons of bricks were in the street because there were there were plans for a, for an Antifa BLM... Um, riot. We're going to call it a riot. Let's call it what it is. In, in Manchester, New Hampshire. You know what ended up happening? Everybody what? that these people make fun of on the internet calling them Meal Team 6 and all these clowns, Ended up showing up downtown and put a friggin' end to it all. It, it never went any further. And, and the no, bricks went away. And then they tried to say, oh, the bricks were there because they were going to be repaving the, the sidewalk. Bullshit. But then they were gone. And the sidewalk yeah. was never done. So Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, that, come on. You know? that is, that's what's so frustrating because we see that and we go, this is orchestrated. Yeah. And then, but there are some people that you can like, grab their head and show them the bricks and they just right over their head. My, right up. my wife is like that. My, my wife does. She kind of sees it, but doesn't see it. And, and she's the type of person that I would be sitting on the couch with her and she'll look at me and be like, Hey, did you know that Stevie wonder is not blind? <laughs> but then in the same, in the same breath say, Oh, I think the vaccine's going to be okay. I think I, I think I think I'm going to you know get it and and, and let's do it. I just it, it boggles my mind, man. How, how's your wife do with all this and, and you getting into what you're into and everything? She so <laughs> so when the when I wrote the octopus book, I I didn't tell anybody. I wrote it in total secrecy. Nobody, not one person knew. Uh, and and when she found it, or she so the a box got delivered to the house the first batch of books showed up at the house and i wasn't there to intercept it she opened the box and found all, all these books she's like what is this? and flipped it over and saw my face on the back <laughs> she she called me up and said and threw me out of the house for 2 days because she said i was emotionally cheating on her and i was like i wrote a book you know i like i wrote a book i didn't like hey, what is it 500 pages 540 pages i mean it was a, <laughs> The big ass book. All right. I mean, to be fair, but, but in my defense, I was like, look, I could have had like a secret family in Utah, right? right? Like as far as things to get pissed off at your husband about him doing behind your back, writing a book, not the worst thing. And she was like, yeah, I, I get it. But so it, I don't think it was real to her that anybody gave a shit about this until we were in London in the summer of 2019 to, and and um, on on fam on her work stuff, she had a work trip there, and I wound up going with her, with our whole family and everything. And um, I had a guy in London who does a show on RT uh, called Renegade Inc. and it's it's filmed in like a legit studio and it's on real television and everything. And he had invited me to be on the show, but I was like, he's like, if you're ever in London, I'm like, well, I'm never in London, but. Then I was like, oh, dude, actually, I am going to be in London. So you want to schedule it? And and so after they came in and saw that, like me getting interviewed on like a real set in a television studio and all that, I think it made a little I think it made it a little bit more real to them. They still don't really they don't really understand it yeah. and don't really care all that much to understand it. They have my wife has like zero interest in this. So um so I don't really talk about it too much with them. Yeah. That's why I'm not grateful. That, I'm grateful that I get to talk about it with you guys, you know, oh, because yeah. otherwise yeah. I'll just be talking to myself like a, like a maniac, you know, but some of your best episodes are you going off just ranting, 
Oh, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Man. It's, it's, well, I, th- that's how I get it out of my system, right? Because um, it's therapeutic to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not like like are we going to figure it all out and solve all the problems? No, probably not. But it's it you've got to at least start thinking about some of them and thinking about these topics. And then if you do, then then that's the first step towards doing something about it. So I, I I'll always you know, take the opportunity to try and talk about this because, you know, I was inspired by like the Alex Joneses and David Ikes and everything. You know, I watched a lot of their stuff and it it, it opened my eyes to this. And then I, I felt like I, I, you know, I can see a little bit more of, of the truth of what's happening. And to me, it, that's important. Some people don't care. Some people don't care what the truth is. They just, they do their thing and they're, they operate in their little system, their little world and whatever happens is not, they don't care. Um, I, I, I care. I I take it personally that I'm being lied to by the government Mm -hmm. and the media and the pharmaceutical industry and the banks. And I, 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 I don't appreciate that. And so I get, I get frustrated. I, I want to make sure I want to make sure that they don't do that to us anymore. And so that's why I talk now. So am I going to have success? How, who knows, you know, how, how do you, how would we ever quantify what we do with podcasts and things like that? You don't know if you, if you're, if someone watched your last show and it planted something in their head and they couldn't get it out and they started thinking about it and it changed the way they see the world. You, you'll never know that. But, but I feel like if we just, at least talk and, and, and have the conversation that it'll, it might build in on someone, you know, over time, it'll, it, you never know what's going to wake you fully wake you up, but, um, and maybe, maybe it's COVID for a lot of people. Maybe this is the, the maybe all the people that laughed at us and said, you conspiracy theorists are now going, you know what? This story doesn't add up. I feel like they're lying to us about something. And and wouldn't that be wouldn't that be the greatest thing to come out of this this psychological operation? That if they overplay their hand and and act so ridiculous, like with the three masks and the anal swabs here, that that a bunch of people just go, wait a second, no, none of this shit is. Wait, a, they're they're lying about everything. Yeah. It's not just this. Whoa, you know, like holy shit, they're lying about the whole thing they're making it up as they go along and we're just sitting there going welcome to our world people that believe like all right i'm not gonna have a fourth of july this year because of covid like biden said that we probably we might not be able to have fourth of july like maybe we shouldn't do that like are people really like thinking like that they the, the people that i think a lot of the people that think like that are good nice people and they see this as their their duty to not um, exacerbate this gigantic problem. And if by not going and having the picnic, they're they're doing something. They're contributing. Mm-hmm. They're they're saving. They're helping. They're saving grandma. You want to kill grandma? I'm yeah. saving grandma. You know. And so it gives them a purpose and it gives them a reason. But it's not. But but I don't res- I don't respect that because what I want them to do is open their eyeballs to what's going on and recognize that they're being they're part of a gigantic psychological operation that is designed to screw with them and that this thing is not adding up 
not in the way that they said it was going to. There's a lot of holes in the story. And, and I want people to get mad about it because it's, it's the only way stuff like this is going to change. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, because I've had to, I mean, you guys might, I wonder if you feel the same way. Like there's only so much energy and time that I have, and I can't invest it on people that I'm interacting with that don't want to know that just actively don't want to know. I, there's what do something we do? just can't be saved. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I got to prioritize my effort, but it's like, if someone reaches out to me and says, I like, I'm pro vaccine, but you're making some good points about this. And and I have questions and I'll, I'll talk to them all day. I'll answer their email. I'll answer all that. I'll do whatever, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my time with people that want to tell me, you know, that I'm a conspiracy theorist for, for this. It's like, Look, if you're if you're unwilling or unable to do any of the research yourself, and you're just going to tell me that I'm wrong because you watched CNN and you think you know what's going on, like I can't I can't get worried about that person, and I can't invest my effort in that because that that's somebody that that doesn't want to believe anything else. So, good luck to you. Take the vaccine. Enjoy your Bell's palsy, you know, or yeah. whatever. But don't say, well, don't like ever, and your heart stops. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't ever, ever say that you weren't warned. You know what I mean? Cause you were will, you know, you, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are willfully ignorant of what's happening. And, and it's not conspiracy theory. There is some of that to be fair. There's a lot of speculation in some of this, but it's not speculation to say that the pharmaceutical companies that are making the vaccines are all convicted felons. Mm-hmm. They've all been convicted of things like faking tests, uh, racketeering, uh, fraud, you know, conspiracy. I mean, they've all been found guilty of this. This is not th- theoretical. This is factual. This is what, what has actually happened. And people say, well, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust the science. All right. Well do whatever you need to do, but just understand that the science that you're trusting is being run by convicted felons that have paid billions of dollars in fines. So. No, what's aggravating is they say we're going to trust the science, but they're, they're, they're trusting that, that bot science. They're not going and seeing these other doctors that are out there saying, Hey, this is what, you know, what the vaccine vaccine really is you know and it's it's yeah. a, a programming system and they're injecting it into you and I, I don't know if it was your tweet or someone someone put a tweet out there that it was a 20 minute video of it might have been ricky a, a 20 minute video of a doctor giving this this uh lecture about it and and he broke it all down and it was absolutely uh, amazing and I, I don't know why people can't watch that with an open mind is it a comfort thing or or what you know yeah. I mean, it's, it's a it's, 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 dissonance yeah yeah yeah, and it's fascinating because, you know, if you get, I'm also I'm willing to have conversations with people or, or, or debates, not not, but I'm not not arguments. But it's like, you, if you can just get them to, um, you know, acknowledge that there is a long track record of fraud in that industry, um, and then explain to them that, you know the vaccine industry as as a whole has paid out more money to settle 
damage claims, mm-hmm. even though you can't sue them, even though they have they have they have uh, immunity from lawsuits, they still run it through this VARES court, Vaccine Adverse Effects Reporting System, and and what that does is it's like a kangaroo court where nothing gets approved, but even though nothing gets approved, the amount that has been approved, four point two billion dollars, is more money that the vaccine industry has paid out than the Catholic church has paid to settle rape claims Hmm. around the world for all their priests. And we know how big of a huge problem that is. So what I'm saying is that the vaccine industry pay payout is secretive, like barely anybody knows about it. So, so a lot of people make this assumption that, that if they're, if these vaccines, just regular vaccines, and I'm not even talking about the new COVID ones, but just if the regular vaccines were so dangerous, clearly I would hear about this on my nightly news. That's sort of the thought. And since I don't hear about them on my nightly news, it must not be a real thing. That's the assumption they make, but they don't realize that the pharmaceutical industry pays, you know, it's responsible for 60% of the ad revenue of these television networks. So they can together they can't, they can't yeah. say anything bad about it or, or, or there goes billions of dollars right out the door. So, so when, like when we're interacting with people that, you know, we're, and we know about the questions about these vaccines and you're dealing with somebody that has no idea about it, you don't even, you don't have to get technical with them. You can just talk about some of these things that, that, you know, that they probably don't know and ask them, Hey, if you, if the, if you were selling a product that was so safe, why would you need the federal government in 1986 to give you in, indemnify you against lawsuits from people? If doesn't that seem strange to you? And they'll go, well, yeah, I guess it does seem kind of strange. Like, why? Like, if you can't make a better product, you should. Why are you getting government protection? And that's that's when the vaccine schedule exploded. And then right along with that, that's when the autism epidemic exploded. Yeah. People say, and people say, you can't connect those two, dude, <laughs> I've got some mothers that I know that, that, that can connect them, uh, 100% who, ADD, you know, ADHD too, that, that yeah. exploded out of, yeah. you know, yeah. kid is on yeah. now because they can't, you know, sit still in class. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. Well, they just say it's ADD anyway. Like they don't even try to diagnose. Yeah, just take some Ritalin, you'll be yeah, fine. Ritalin. Yeah. Right. You take some speed for kids, and that'll yeah, be good yeah, for you. Yeah. 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 It's so, so it's you know it's but but if you point that and and that's true, and if you point that out to somebody, they might go, yeah, well, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's like let's just all be honest that the pharmaceutical industry is in the business of sickness. They're in the business of keeping yeah. you sick not making you healthy. If they make you healthy, they lose a customer. It is against their best interest to make you too healthy. So we have a really crazy sort of uh, system at play here. And I think, I think people just need to be honest about that. And it might be the first time anyone's ever really, you know, thought about it that way, but it's, it's true that if, if, if you, you can't make the, the, the wristwatch too good or it'll never break and they'll never need to buy another one from you. You know what I mean? So the functional obsolescence is, is built into American industry. And, and unfortunately it's built into the pharmaceutical industry too. And they, they want us to be a little bit broken. And so, um, you know, not dead from the vaccines, just broken. 
so that they can constantly treat you and, and keep you in the system. So, so this is stuff that, that people don't want to accept. They don't want to think like that because to, to, to know that is to know like, Oh, I'm buying pills from maybe the worst people on the planet, but it's like, that's look, that's, that's their business model. Like I'm not, I'm not making it up. That's, that's why they make money. That's how they make money. That aspirin you take, that's, that's the same company that made the uh, gift gas that, that exterminated the Jews, you know? Yeah. Well, isn't Would, Bayer, Bayer's connected with Monsanto too, right? So they, they merged. Connected yeah. With Monsanto. Yeah. yeah, they merged. And that, that was, uh, you know, that, that's just like the epitome of, of, of what we were talking about, like large corporations coming, becoming even bigger and getting governmental protection. I mean, you have two of the worst companies in the world coming together and forming one big company and that being allowed to happen. It just, it's all disgusting and, and frustrating that, that, um, that in this country, we, we allow that stuff to happen because we, we, we do things like pass laws like Citizens United, which allows corporations to donate as much money as they want to political campaigns. It's like, well, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, I know the politicians, why they wanted that to happen so they could just get easy money. But but like now it's just fully run by the corporations. It is. And and it's so obvious for anybody that has the eyes to see it, you know, what's why would an app like, you know, a pharmaceutical company want to get in with a company that makes weed killer. You know what I mean? Like what, what's, you know, what's the, what are you, what are you gaining here? Well, what I dis- discovered is that they're all in the poison business. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the medication, I guess they are the same. All yeah. the medication we take is a byproduct of petroleum anyway. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. That, you know, if, if they're, if, if they own the weed killer company that makes the plants that they're making the medicines with, it's just one big giant cycle and they keep it all in the family. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and it all works to lower us, lower us uh, physically, you know, or mentally too, uh, to, to chemically poison us. I mean, there's glyphosate lawsuits that are happening all over the place. I mean, you can see the infomercials for them. Have you been injured? You know, call us. We're doing class action lawsuits against, I mean, and, you know, and, and there would be the same sort of ads against vaccine makers if they hadn't gotten the uh, law changed in 86. I mean, they'd be, it'd be the same thing. It'd be like, have you been damaged by the MMR vaccine? Exactly. (laughs) We got a guy locally here, James Sokolov. He's always always on in between like Jerry Springer and Maury Pover. (laughs) Peddling peddling his law firm. Is this the asbestos? The mesothelioma, uh, yeah, a big yeah, 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 mesothelioma and, and a big lawsuit with that. And if you if you worked on like the the docks on the on the um, on the on the Charlestown Pier or something like that, you may have been exposed to mesothelioma. So call us at one eight hundred get fucked. Right. <laughs> what, what's scary too about this is this this you know this vaccine passport. And, and what I wonder about the vaccine passport is if. If the vaccine makers, these pharmaceutical companies, have have no have 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 no way of getting in, in trouble, I guess, or no way of anybody suing them if this vaccine screws you up. If you have a vaccine passport in these airlines, schools, whoever is going to Ticketmaster is going to make you be vaccinated, can they be held liable? I wonder if something does happen with that vaccine. And hey, I wanted to see that concert, so I got the vaccine because you wouldn't let me in otherwise they could end up setting themselves up for a real good screwing in, in the future. 
Uh, that's a really good question because yeah. I have a, a buddy that works at Ticketmaster or worked at, you know, at high ranking guys there. And, and, you know, they're doing this, talking about this vaccine passport and it's disgusting and it's unconstitutional and you can't, I mean, it's, it's going to wind up in court like oh, crazy, yeah. but, but the government saying, we're not going to mandate it. We're not going to, we're not going to have, well, yeah, you just can't have the, cause you can't you're going to have the corporations do it and you're going to make it not mandated, but you're just going to make it so that it's impossible for you to go anywhere. You can't get yeah. on a plane or you can't do this or that. I mean, once again, us conspiracy theorists were saying this a year ago, you yeah. know, that this was coming. And as soon as this stuff broke out, it's like, we, we can under, we're not, you know, like reading tea leaves or anything. It's obvious if you know what the plan is and you know what the agenda is and you just work backwards. And this is, this is of course something that they're going to do. And it's much more devious than just vaccine passports too, because once you tie the social credit system into that and, and, and internet ID card and things like that, then you've got a full lockdown on people. Hey, you don't play ball. You don't get your vaccines. We'll just switch off your internet ID. Now you can't get online. You can't check your email. You can't do your banking. You can't be on I mean, that's, that's coming. That's what they want. And so they want full compliance, you know, full compliance. If you, it's, it's not about, I mean, it's not about a virus. It's not about keeping you safe. It's not, it's about, they're using that just like they use terrorism in, in the early 2000s as the reason to be able to do the things they want to do, go into Afghanistan, go into Iraq. So it's all about terror. Well, they want to lock you down digitally. They want to spy on you. They want to inject you with an operating system as Moderna calls it. Well, guess what? They just run right behind COVID and they just use that as the excuse to do all of these crazy things. And the American public is just clapping like this. Thank you. Take away all my rights because I'm a dumb sheeple person. I mean, it's embarrassing, but it's like, it's right in front of your face if you want to see it. But it's just a powerful force when, when people don't want to pay attention, then, then, then they just are, you know, they're just blind to it and, and comfortable in their, in their ignorance. And it's, it's frustrating. How did you hook up with Jeff Burrow on the second book? Oh, um, the book I'm reading. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like it was negative that I said the print was too small, literally two days after I had a prescription given to me for, for glasses that I haven't filled because they're progressive lenses and I'm in denial that I actually need them. The octopus showed up and I go, Oh fuck. I really do need those glasses. So, yeah, the, so the, if, the, the octopus print is if, if I, if legitimately years ago, I would have, I would have had it read by them, but yeah, yeah no, a little bit about the second book. Well, we got you on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was on um, his podcast, the Anarchast in 2018 and I was promoting the octopus book and then we got done recording and we were talking afterwards. And he said, um, he said, it's all coming down. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, he's like the system, the banking system, it, the, it's all coming down. And we just started talking for a while. And then he said, we should work on something together. Do you want to uh, write a book together? And I said, yeah, that sounds good. And he said, I have an idea. Um, I'll send it over to you. And uh, I looked at it and I thought, okay, all right. Um, and then I said, I have an idea based on our conversation. When he said, it's all coming down. It made me think like a building, you know, like a controlled demolition, like building seven. And I, so I wrote it out. I said, 
Jeff, what if we did this? What if we made the comparison between the way you take down an actual building, you know, identify support columns, pre-weaken the building, rig the detonators, sound the alarm bell, push down the plunger, clear the debris, all that stuff. What if we did that and then, and use that as a metaphor for how you take down an empire, how you would pre-weaken it with things like NAFTA, which is like, you know, a 30 year fuse you light that just guts the middle, middle class and outsources 50,000 uh, factories to Asia. It just, it just slowly disintegrates your country. You know, what if we made that comparison? And I wrote this whole thing. I was in Costa Rica at the time and I wrote this whole thing out. I was, and he just sent me one line back. I like your idea better. Let's do it. So nice. that's how, that's how it started. And I, and I started, um, uh, I started working on it in the summer of uh, 2018 and wanted it to be out the, I wanted it to be out at Anarchapulco of February, 2020. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't done. Jeff had a bunch of parts that he still wanted to do and, and it just wasn't going to happen. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. And then three weeks after that COVID took uh, kicked off, and I was like, dude, uh, we should, we should wait and see what happens. And he's like, yeah, yeah, let's wait. So we waited till August. And then I, I said, I think I've seen enough. What about you? He said, yeah, I've seen enough. Let's write, let's write the last part and wrap it up. And so that's what we did. And it came out in the Friday before the election. Yeah. Everything's so current in it. It's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad too. And, yeah. In retrospect, you know, I wanted it to come out in, February at, at an Arcapulco. And that would have, that would have been the worst time because um, so much changed after that. And so, and also when you're talking about the destruction of the American empire back in say 2019, people are like, yeah, maybe. Uh, but if you're doing it the tail end of 2020, after we went through, everyone's like, oh yeah. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, you know, I mean, like it was, it was way easier for people to sort of imagine that. So, so the, timing was good and 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 we kept we kept it current you know with, with covid we went back and sort of infused that throughout the book uh we didn't have any we knew that there would be something to kick off a financial crisis um i mean we we still believe there's a massive financial crisis coming um but we didn't i i, I didn't predict it was going to be a virus uh that was <laughs> that i'm not that much of a psychopath to be able to predict that <laughs> but they, these guys these guys did I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I hate Zoom. I'm sorry. Yeah, I always, I always have questions and I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, go. No, ask, go for it. Do you think, though, like there's a there's another financial crisis coming? I mean, it's, it's inevitable, right? Housing. I don't know what's going to happen. Do you think that this is the financial crisis and they're pumping money back into their companies based on this vaccine, based on all the all the ventilators that they made, thousands and thousands and thousands of ventilators? Where the hell's that money coming from? Someone's paying those companies that made those, those, and we all know that it's you know just a handful of of companies running all this stuff. Could this be them hiding this financial crisis, and then this just gives them a reason to pump inflation in, and the, the price of the dollar plummets, and and I mean they could just be doing a good job covering it all up, and, and it, it isn't a pandemic; it's a financial freaking collapse right now. Yeah, well, it's funny because this is what happened to the Soviet Union. They had they didn't have a, a pandemic. 
they but they did have uh, their currency getting manipulated by outside forces. They had politicians stealing everything that wasn't nailed down, and they had all their buddy, all the politicians' buddies. They started privatizing things and out and giving it to them, making it turning them into oligarchs. And then, so they were looting the place right before it fell. Uh, and that's what it looks like inside America. They're print, the Fed is printing trillions of dollars. It's like, they're just, they're just using it to buy whatever, convert it into assets as fast as you can, because, it, because the value of the dollar is going to, is dropping. Um, they, <clears throat> in 2020, or let me rephrase it right now, today, 40% of all dollars that are in existence were printed last year out of the total money supply. That is a recipe for hyperinflation. It's like they've just been given the signal, just spend it, just spend, 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 give it to our buddies. You know, do, you know, Biden's coming out with a, a infrastructure plan. He's coming out with, you know, more and more of the, you know, he just said today <clears throat> he's going to give uh, 870 billion more to the military to make up for the cost of inflation. It, they're just buying whatever they can get their hands on because they know it's coming down. I mean, and, and when you see Bitcoin jump like it did, that's an acknowledgement by the, by the people that understand Bitcoin that they want nothing to do with the US dollar. They want out of that system. They want, they want into something that, has, that doesn't have the ability to be uh, counterfeited like that. And so they're getting, they're getting out of that. And I would expect silver and gold to explode as well as, as people decide they want tangible assets, not us dollars. And so I, it, I fear hyperinflation and I, and I don't want it. Obviously I live here like you guys do. It, it's not what I want, but it's, it's like it, at some point it just becomes a math problem. Like if you create 40% of the money in one year, and then the following year, you start talking about trillions and trillions more dollars and all these all this spending and everything. Where does that money come from? You print more of it from the Fed. This is how you get hyperinflation. It's not emotional. It's just math. Mm -hmm. You just that's how it starts. And once it starts, then it then it takes off. So that's why you go from a thousand dollars to buy a loaf of bread to a billion dollars to buy a loaf of bread in a month. That's how it goes in Zimbabwe. It goes. Straight up. So people, and, and look, I have no faith in Americans after what we saw in 2020, people fighting over toilet paper and knocking old ladies out at Best Buy on Black Friday and stuff like that. What do you think is going to happen when the currency is, in, is hyperinflated and people don't know what to do? I mean, it's going to be chaos. So, you know, that's, that's something that's, that's a that's not an unrealistic prediction either. I mean, that's a that's a very logical prediction. It's it's, it's a horrible one, but it's it's based on on logic. So it, it's probably three to five years. I mean, maybe maybe yeah. not even that. They could th this. It seems like everything is. It seems like everything is it like they've been given the word. Just start looting. On. Just go. Just everything, just by, you know, corporations buying back their own shares, pumping their stock up and, and things like everything's fake. Everything's fraudulent. And, and they're and the America, like the media and the government is saying everything in America in, in the economy is fine. Look at, look at wall street. They're doing great. It's like, that's not America. That's corporate America, but that's not America. America. The rest of America is fucking terrified of what's happening 
and unable to pay bills and unable to, you know, prevent, you know, have emergency funding. I mean, people, I don't know what the stat was that how few people have even $400 to, to manage through a, a, an emergency. So this is not good. This is a recipe for disaster. And it's like, you know, I think people should maybe take advantage of this time that they have the sort of calm before the storm to kind of get your shit in order, you know, get to start thinking about what you're going to do if these things happen. I mean, look, hopefully it doesn't happen and it just becomes a thought experiment that you do, but, but really where are you going to go and what are you going to do? And do you have food? And, and, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to freak people out, but like, it's a, it's a, like we owe the preppers an apology, right? After last year, they're kind of right, you know, for a lot of this stuff. Uh, so um, maybe we should take advantage of this downtime and 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 get ourselves ready for for what may be coming. Yeah, I got my buckets of my Patriot supply through your through your. <laughs> oh, leg. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. I got four four buckets in there right now, so I plan on buying a couple more. Yeah, I want to make sure we got at least three months of that dry stuff and then, you know, whatever we have in stock. But yeah, man, it's a a smart thing to do. And it, and it makes, you know, people go, you, you look crazy doing that. Yeah. You look crazy until you look like the genius when you're the one that has the food and and look, what is, what is our role? Our role is to uh, take care of ourselves, take care of our family and things like that. It's like, if you listen to this crazy shit that we're talking about and you don't take the additional step of like, taking like acting on this stuff and preparing as if and and then what good is listening to all this crazy alex jones shit if you're not actually prepared for what's coming you know he's talking we're in world war four you know and he's he's yelling about all this stuff and and you know if you're listening to that 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 sort of material then maybe also get yourself prepared like Get yourself some food, get yourself some gold and silver. And I don't know, I'm not a big gun guy, but a lot of people, you know, are get yourself some ammo, get yourself some guns, you know, like act as if, and, and, you know, because you'd rather be, you know, a month early than a day late, I guess, when it comes to that stuff. We had a couple on last week. It was uh, Brian and Karen Weissman and they moved from, she worked for Merck and I think he did too. Mm -hmm. And she was a chemical engineer for them. They dropped everything and they moved to this town called Worcester in Vermont, Worcester, Vermont. And they started their own mushroom cultivation business. And they went from selling mushrooms at farmers markets and to restaurants to taking her medical background and actually extracting the, 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 the good stuff out of the mushroom, all the medicinal properties and, and, and uh, selling it in tinctures and, and powders and whatnot. And they were telling us a story about how their little neighborhood operates or their town and there's only about 700 people in their town that you say them and they were growing and this was one of his favorite stories too they were growing asparagus and and they had all this asparagus and up the street for them lives these these people that own a, a cheese making factory they're, they're cheese makers well, they're famous like world-renowned gold medals blue ribbons on their cheeses and they came over with a bunch of cheese because they wanted some asparagus. And that's how they do business in their town. Everybody grows stuff and does stuff for one another. And then they all have their little side projects like the mushroom business where they have the website and you can buy the mushrooms. The cheese people are going all over the world. But they live in a small little community and they trade and they barter and they're taking care of one another. They all know how to preserve their own food. They all know what to do if, if, you know, shit hits the fan. 
you know yeah. and yeah we all we we all need to do that so smart part of, part of what we want to do with this podcast is kind of kind of spread that too so as the weather gets warmer um end of the month i have a buddy that i work with that has uh his own beef farm so we're going to go to his beef farm and we're going to oh, film cool. it and do a podcast with him so we're hoping to kind of kind of move into that direction of you know homesteading and self-sufficiency and and, and basically the resistance you know i mean while everyone's eating their soil green you know, we're, we're, we're sucking down some, some nice asparagus and award-winning cheese. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of an old way of thinking about stuff, but it, 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 it has a, a real place, especially now, you know, uh, a lot of people are leaving big cities and saying, I don't want to be anywhere near, you know, when, when the, the zombie apocalypse comes, I don't want to be there. And, uh, and they're having to sort of get back to, to what made or really what made America America, right? It just a lot of people kind of working together in like the the small towns that all, you know, everybody knew each other and everybody interacted with each other. Like there's some value in that, a lot of value actually in, in getting back to that. And um and I think that yeah, you'll be the only ones eating while everyone else is is hey. just like, you know, twitching and you know, eating oh. their GMO tomatoes and yeah. growing yeah. a third arm. Possible estrogen. What are people going to do when there's no food? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's going to be mass panic. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's probably, you know, after like three weeks, you'll start to see people like, okay, I've eaten the last, you know, can of macaroni and cheese that I had. And uh, now, now it's like, okay, who's, where's that little old lady down the hall? I might have to kick her door in and and go take her food, take all her food. You know, I mean, you hate to think that, but but like, it, I think it could devolve pretty quickly. I mean, we're savages. We're savages on Black Friday, just at Best Buy, you know. Over a TV. Over a TV. Some you yeah. see some, you know, you'll knock some lady out to get a TV. It's it's not it's not a good not a recipe for for success. Plus, you add in like fluoride and and all that and and, and all the zombie pre programming, and it may very well be a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and, and people wonder too why they're they're censoring stuff like what what we're doing, you know why Ricky has two strikes on YouTube, why James Corbett just got pulled from YouTube, or, you know we got a strike on one of our videos for something we did on someone from your neck of the woods, Mr. Marvin Hemeyer, and it's Kildos, or we had a little oh we got a strike for that yeah, we got a strike for that yeah no yeah. Yeah, yep. we got a strike for that. So yeah, well, I just I just interviewed um, Jeremy Kaufman from Library uh, yesterday. Yeah, New Hampshire and, guy, right? Yeah, Library is based out of New Hampshire. Yeah. Yep. 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 And uh, and he's talking about their lawsuit with the the SEC is is yeah. is going after them, and it's like anything that's good and yep. decent and right and running the right way. They just have to get in there and fuck with it. Yep. And it's so frustrating. And he was just, you know, and I, Jer, I, you know, Jer, I saw Jeremy speak in Mexico and, and he's been on our, my group uh, podcast before. So, we, we, you know, we kind of know each other a little bit, but so he, you know, he was kind of letting his guard down. I mean, he, you could see how frustrated he was with it. He's like, you know, they won't give us an answer on what we've done wrong. You know, they're suing us, but they won't tell us what we've done wrong. We're supposed to like guess. And, and, and so, you know, and when you say that to someone, they go, oh, that can't really be true. 
I mean, his episode will be out on Sunday and, and mm-hmm. I encourage people to, to watch it or listen to it. You, you know, he's, just, he's, he's explaining that they, they don't know what they've done wrong. <laughs> they haven't told them exactly what it is they've done wrong, except that they're, they think that, and, and he's even saying, I'll settle. Just tell me how much you want me to pay and, and, and what you say I've done wrong. And, and we'll, we can settle this. And they're like, no, it's, from what I understand of it, it's so when you we post on library too in Odyssey, and when you post on on Odyssey and when you look on the on the site at different videos, you get crypto or, or some sort of like like tokens to to interact on the site, right? The more you look at, the more you get. You can't redeem it for cash. So what the hell is the SEC getting involved for? It's it's basically something set up as like a like a fun thing to 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 incentivize the site and to post and to look and to go there instead of going to YouTube. And that's why they want to get rid they, of it. They don't like they the blockchain it. component of it. They don't like um, they they don't they don't like that they can't control it. Yeah, you know they they don't like and 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 so they have to compromise it. They have to try to compromise it. I'm not saying libraries compromised. I'm saying that the the SEC. I mean that what they're doing is lawfare. They're trying to drain them financially and, and pull their attention and resources, both financial and, and mental and emotional away at fighting a battle against them uh, instead of using that time and money and effort to improve their product and get the message out to more people. So it's shitty, you know, it's shitty. And that's what the government does from time to time when they feel that they're losing control of the situation. They use their monopoly on authority to, make your lives hell if you get, and, and, and it doesn't even have to be that you're doing anything wrong. I mean, especially when you're not doing anything wrong, it could just be that a bigger corporation is close friends with the government and you are muscling in on their turf and they don't like that. So they make your life difficult, which is probably what's happening to libraries. So, so it's, um, it's just it's it, there's just so much corruption out there, and, and it's frustrating that that people are willfully ignorant of it. And and I like to support these companies that that are that are fighting the good fight. You know, I'm I'm gonna I I'm, I'm on Library too, I, I, or Odyssey, which is the same thing. Yeah. The 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 um, library he said is the parent company and the technology, mm-hmm. and Odyssey is the video platform. But uh, they've got live streaming now, so oh, cool. Yeah. yeah, I know Float does live streaming too. Yeah. yeah, that might be a good idea to do an Odyssey live stream. I would love yeah. to do something like that. I might take you up on your offer in the beginning there and get get his contact information. So it's sure. got New Hampshire ties, and we're trying yeah. to keep it all you know in, in New Hampshire too, except for a few you know. You obviously we, we needed yeah. to get you on, so cool. so grateful you said you know yes. Of course. Um, I, I think uh, unless Eric's got anything else for you, I don't want to well, keep you any longer. We'll wrap this up. Uh, I got one, one more question. So okay. do we make it out of this? Yeah. Let's end this. You know on what a, I'm saying? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, in the future, do we make, does evil actually win or do we somehow make it through? I feel right. like, I feel like they, oh, they have a tendency to overplay their hands a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that the way nine 11 woke up a generation of people, to what the government has the capability of doing. Uh, I think that this will wake up a new generation of people to it. The question is, can we wake up people fast enough, uh, you know, at a rate that, that, that stays ahead of like this sloping 
uh, IQs of the of the nation, you know, as everyone's getting sort of dumbed down and and the the con- the messages and the content is just more for like just a dumbed down audience. Um, it, it's we're gonna need we're gonna need all hands on deck if we're gonna get get out of this. Uh, I I tend to think that goodness prevails in mm-hmm. situations like this, but I think it's important for us to not underestimate just how uh, diabolical these people are and that they don't want what's best for us and that they view us as taking up too much space on their planet. And when you know that that's how they think about you, then you know that they're, they're in a position, uh, you know, that they're liable to do something really bad to you, like including depopulation. And, and so I think it's incumbent upon humanity or America specifically, since we're talking about that, to be better about processing this information and waking up to, to what's actually happening. Like it, it's, we can't, the population needs to take a, some responsibility for themselves. Yes. The government is screwing with us and they're making everything increasingly more difficult and they're criminals, but we need to sort of take responsibility for our own actions too, and make sure that we're educated about this and make sure that we're waking people up as much as we can and that we don't allow them to steamroll us because they will push us as far as they can push us. And my fear is that a lot of people are just compliant and they're just going to go along to get along. And what's going to happen is you're going to wake up one day and all of your rights are gone Mm -hmm. and you're living in this digital prison and you had, and you never noticed that you were there like handing them the bricks to build this prison around you. So it's like, we need to, I'm optimistic, but we need to hurry up. Yeah. That, I guess that's where I would, how I would Agreed. wrap it up. Agreed. I think that's an awesome way to, that's a great to end it there. Why don't you tell us where, where our listeners, and I'm sure they know where already, but where they can find you. Well, uh, the audio version of the podcast, podcast macroaggressions goes out on apple and spotify and iHeartRadio and all those places yep, we'll the, link the, it. Yep. the video version goes out to david ike's video platform iconic it goes to rockfin it goes to odyssey and it goes to youtube for as long as i'm allowed to be on youtube yep. they dinged me for a david ike video no surprise um so I've been doing a lot of stuff on Rockfin uh, because they are, they're more protective of us and they have a set up a system that works a little bit better than, than what we're experiencing at YouTube. So do you think that they'll open up the floodgates and, and let people just sign up and, instead of kind of, it seems like it's a very selective process to get on Rockfin. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, how they're doing it. I think they're trying to grow it slowly so that they, their, their infrastructure can, can sustain it because they're doing something, they're doing something similar. I mean, they've got a crypto component as well Mm -hmm. um, in, in there. So I'm sure they're keeping an eye on library to see what's happening there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the feds went after Rockfin for something, not because they're doing anything wrong, but just because they, they are, um, doing something right. <laughs> actually. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do as far as opening up for shows. I, but m- my guess is that I, I've talked to some of the, the, the people there and they're, they're real bright. So my guess is that they are, they know what they're doing and, and, and maybe growing at a, a rate that's, uh, reasonable for them. Good, good. Hopefully they, uh, hopefully they succeed and nobody goes after them. And yeah, we got places to to put our content out because it's getting it's getting crazy it's out there. 
Yeah. It is. It's yeah. frustrating. Thank you, Charlie. Yeah. Appreciate Thanks, you Eric. On. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to talk to some like-minded people that, that are frustrated with the, with the situation and, and enthusiastic about doing what we can do to sort of try and fix it. You know, yeah. I love it. Awesome. Man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, no problem, Charlie. Thank you. Pleasure as ours, man. Anytime you want to do it again. Right on. Thanks, right. guys. Yeah. Talk to you later. All right, bye.